Ask not what your country can do for you. There's a last time I'm going to be in the lead. The Giants won the pass. Lepina, oh, you little mouse, so won't you go away? One ringy-dingy. Hand off to Griffin, cracks the middle, gets the five. Touchdown, Ohio State. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. I'm interested to know, Gracie, who's your choice? Need you ask, George. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 15 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. This is going to be a real treat for, well, me. I'm often surprised at how many albums we found in my parents' house after my dad died. While I may have listened to a ton of these albums, I didn't know about the presence of many of them. And this is one of those albums. And I know I would have worn this one out. You see, I'm a big fan of this artist. And I'll prove it to you as we go through this episode. So get ready for a stratospheric trumpeter in Volume 15, Maynard Ferguson, Octet.
There is Finger Snappin' by Bill Holman, who wrote all but one of the songs on this album, and you will be hearing that song a little later in the episode. Okay, why this album? Well, I'm a huge Maynard Ferguson fan. Um, I own 11 of his albums. I heard him live for the first time in 1977. In fact, I just recently found a beat-up old ticket from that show. And the last time in 2002, the fifth time I saw him in concert. The two MF records I found in my dad's collection was kind of a surprise. My only real connection I thought I had here with my dad was getting to see Ferguson together at Perry High School in 1983. That's the show I introduced my favorite trumpet player and his band to the crowd because of my job at the sponsoring radio station. But I always had great respect for Ferguson's emphasis on education and making his music accessible to the masses. Three of the five times I saw Maynard were at high schools and once was at a college. And most people don't know this about Maynard, but this is why he appeared at high schools and colleges so often. The focus on music education that Maynard began in the 1970s was contributing greatly to the future of jazz. With his 200-plus performances per year, he offered clinics at all high school, university, and conservatory appearances. There were now decades of young musicians infected with Maynard's positive approach towards music. Another great trumpet player, Doc Severinsen, said, quote, I always thought when Maynard was out on the road with his band, what a great thing he was doing. He gave up the comfort of playing the studios where he could have been home and probably done very well financially. He was out there with that big band keeping jazz going and keeping big bands going at a time when no one else was doing it, unquote. The band was often contracted to arrive in the afternoon for Maynard to perform one of his charts with the school marching band at the football halftime or to give a clinic. In the evening, there would be a concert in the auditorium or gymnasium. At the end of the performance, Maynard would bring the entire school band or just the horns on stage to perform the big ta-da closer of the tour. And it was Hey Jude in the 70s. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what he did with Hey Jude. First of all, if you heard the Beatles tune, you know, version of it, it's like a seven and a half minute song and he pretty much does that time justice. But what he would do with the live audiences, especially when it was some of these bigger gymnasiums that, that you would see him in, um, he would scatter the trumpet section out among the crowd. And then at a certain point in that song, Ferguson would start playing certain notes. And then the and then the trumpet players out in the crowd would start answering them back with the notes. And then two minutes into this, this give and take, they would just be screaming at each other with the notes coming out of their horns. And, and the crowd would always go nuts, especially during that, that song. And that was just always a great tune to hear Hey Jude when Maynard Ferguson band played it. So later, the theme from Pagliacci became his closer, and towards the late 70s, the theme from Rocky took its throne as the closer, and the decibels from the audience were ear-splitting. Yes, he was on the road a lot. He also recorded a lot, but did he ever record here? Thank you. 
20 Rue de Madrid. That's named for the headquarters of Nicole Barclay's Blue Star Record Company in Paris. All right, time to introduce you to the album I have chosen for this episode, Maynard Ferguson and His Octet. It's on the MRC label, MG36021. It's a mono vinyl LP. It was released in 1955. Let's take a look at some of the liner notes here. I think it's uh, very interesting for the time period. It might be appropriate to say a few words about Bill Holman, the composer of most of the music for this session and the arranger of it all. Born in Olive, California in 1927 and raised in Santa Ana, Bill studied counterpoint with Russ Garcia and took general music studies at Westlake College from 1948 to 51. After working for a while with Charlie Barnett, he joined Stan Kenton in February 1952, playing tenor sax and arranging. He has been very much in demand since then as a freelance writer, and it was in this capacity that he lent his talent to the Maynard Ferguson octet date. The procedure of detailing the exact personnel of the Ferguson group on this session is not easy. In recent months, the West Coast jazz scene has become such a hive of recording activity that virtually every jazz band, down to the last bassman and drummer, has sold the exclusive use of his name to one or other of the record labels now active in jazz. So the best we can do is tell you a little about the background of these men without mentioning their names. The tenor sax star, whom we shall call Mendel Balitz, because that is not his name, is Canadian-born like Maynard. He has been best known in recent years for his sweet-style solos with vocal group backgrounds. However, should old acquaintances be forgot, may we remind you that he was an important part of the Benny Goodman and Artie Shaw bands in the early 1940s, and that his style, as you will clearly observe here, has never ceased to progress with the times. The second trumpet player on the date, one of two well-known brothers, is rumored to be an Italian count. The trombonist, working with Maynard on Stan Kenton's band, and is heard on almost every jazz date in Los Angeles when a jazz trombonist is called for. The baritone sax man has appeared on both of Maynard's previous MRC sessions. The alto sax player is married to pianist Lorraine Geller, and his real name, if you want to know the truth, is Herb Geller. We are at liberty to reveal this because he happens to be under exclusive contract to MRC Records. The pianist, a non-contractee, as we went to press, is Ian Bernard. Red Calendar is on bass, and the drummer is the same chap you heard on Maynard's previous dates. So, years later, these musicians can now be identified. And they were on alto saxophone, Herb Geller. The Barry sax player was Bob Gordon, Red Calendar on bass, Shelly Mann on drums, Ian Bernard on piano, Georgie Ald on tenor saxophone, Milt Bernard on trombone, and the other trumpet player is Conti Condoli. That's the rumored Italian count. Also on trumpet, bass trumpet, Valve trombone, kind of the precursor to the super bone he invented and played later in his career, was Maynard Ferguson. 
All right, let's talk about the value of the album. Discogs has it listed as the highest value, $25, lowest value, $1.12, and the median at $12.99. Amazon has it listed at $11.98, and there was an eBay listing for $24.99. My dad's album is in very poor condition. This one's got a nice big slit down the bottom, something he did not take up uh, the album itself sounds like he played it quite a bit because it's quite scratchy and hissy I think I'll uh, take a quarter for my dad's album all right now time to hear the only standard on this album Bye. Uh-huh. 
Autumn Leaves, written by Johnny Mercer. Let's learn a little bit about Maynard Ferguson. Walter Maynard Ferguson was born May 4th, 1928, died August 23rd, 2006. He was a Canadian jazz trumpeter and band leader. He came to prominence in Stan Kenton's orchestra before forming his own big band in 1957. He was noted for his bands, which often served as stepping stones for up-and-coming talent, his versatility on several instruments, and his ability to play in a high register. At age nine, after violin and piano lessons, he spotted a man playing cornet at a church social and said to his father, Dad, get me one of those. It was to be the beginning of one of the most successful careers in modern music history. At age 11, he soloed as a child prodigy with the Canadian Broadcasting Company Orchestra, and at 14, earned a scholarship to the French Conservatory of Music. Everyone who heard Maynard play, teachers, audiences, and professional musicians alike, were in awe of his natural talent. From the very beginning, he had an exciting and original voice in jazz that was unmistakably his own. Of course, for young Maynard, it was all about having fun. After his experience in high school jazz band, which included his brother Percy and his schoolmate, the great pianist Oscar Peterson, he played with several local Montreal bands. At 13, he was invited by Louis Armstrong to sit in with his band, and at 14, he was playing seven nights a week at a French-Canadian nightclub in Montreal called the Palermo Café. And in 1945, when Maynard was just 17, Downbeat Magazine described him as a new star on the horizon. Maynard made it to the U.S. in 1948 at the age of 20, but right when Kenton took a year off. Since his immigration status only allowed Maynard to perform as a vaudeville act, he did a solo appearance at Cafe Society downtown in New York City. An attractive cigarette girl would shout out, Here's Tommy Dorsey! And Maynard would take out his trombone and play, I'm getting sentimental over you. Then she would yell, and here's Artie Shaw, and Maynard would play Begin the Begin on clarinet. This continued through trumpet, saxophone, etc. On January 1st, 1950, Maynard joined the Stan Kenton Innovations and Modern Music Orchestra. He played with the Kenton aggregation on and off for five years. Maynard always considered this band to be one of the most creative adventures ever in American music. Maynard took first place in Downbeat Magazine's Best Trumpeter Poll for three consecutive years beginning in 1950. As a side note, his schoolmate Oscar Peterson took first place for piano those same three years. After his stint with Kenton, Ferguson spent three years as first-call studio trumpeter for Paramount Pictures in Hollywood. He recorded the soundtracks for many movies, including Cecil B. DeMille's spectacular The Ten Commandments. In 1955, he was the featured performer in the William Russo composition The Titans with Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic. He still recorded jazz, but his Paramount contract prevented him from playing in jazz clubs, which was sometimes circumvented by appearing under aliases such as Tiger Brown or Foxy Corby. Although he enjoyed the steady income, he was unhappy with the lack of live performance opportunities and left Paramount in 1956. The recording you are listening to for this episode was actually the first one that was made under his own name. I want to thank MaynardFerguson.com for some great info. Since this is the first of two Ferguson episodes, we'll tell you more about him in a later episode. And by the way, check out the bio page on this website. really goes into some details, and there are plenty of great quotes from other great musicians to go along with it. Okay, back to music with a new take on an old song.
by New Flame. What a sultry tune. And no, that was not a skip at the end. I thought it was when I was recording this. All right, time for this episode's interesting side note. One of Maynard's proudest moments came when he was asked to perform at the closing ceremonies of the 1976 Montreal Olympics. They had him way up in the air on a small pedestal with no railing. 350 girls in French costumes were doing their big dance number far below when suddenly a man ripped off his clothes and started running naked on worldwide television. It was not long after Munich, so there was a lot of security. Maynard said, quote, Suddenly, from out of nowhere, a guy in a SWAT team uniform with everything from grenades to high-powered guns drops onto the podium. The funny thing was he said to me, freeze, stay where you are. Now, where the hell was I going to go? I was hundreds of feet in the air. They would have shot him, I think, except there were all these girls dancing around him laughing. So anyway, I blew out the Olympic flame and my whole family was there watching. There were 75,000 in the audience and 2 billion watching around the world, unquote. Yeah, there's some video of that, but they don't show the commotion that was going on underneath him. All right, now I'm really looking forward to the next two jams because there's plenty of soloing. Thank you. 
Super G. Yeah, good stuff in there. And you know I had fun listening to the music on this episode. So I found a list of all the shows from like 1970 on on mftourdates.net. And I happened to track down the five shows I'm sure I was at. I still think there was a sixth one in there, but I can't remember where it was. So April 28th, 1977, Menor High School. November 14th, 1979, at the E.J. Thomas Performing Arts Center in Akron, Ohio. May 16th, 1982, at the Agora in Cleveland. That was a great show because that was one that was really away from the students and a younger crowd. Uh, October 18th, 1983, in Perry, Ohio, at Perry High School. That was the one that I was the MC, And 19 years, almost to the date, on October 19th, the last time I saw him at Edgewood High School in Ashtabula County, Ohio. All right, last up where I think everybody takes at least one solo. Thank you. 
That's the name of the song. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Volume 15, Maynard Ferguson Octet, however you did. If you want more information about this podcast, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. 
I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops with Volume 16, Beethoven, and Schubert. Go with the flow, my friends. <laughs>